listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. Welcome back everybody to the Oz Network. We're going to move on to another week of our exclusive third watch coverage of season six. We're into the final season. We're up to the greatest detectives in the world. The sixth episode of the sixth season, or as they would say here in New Zealand, the sixth episode of the sixth season. Uh, first aired on the 29th of October 2004, written by Dallin Monero, directed by Ernest R. Dickerson. And just to go over the synopsis again, according to Wikipedia, Yokus and Miller are working against the clock. Finney's father barges in at the hospital, just so you know what you're uh, you're in for here, because you know we needed that uh, great little um, introduction to see what is happening. Uh, my name is Ben, and I am trying to stall to find the quote that I had to say, but I can't find it, so I'm going to say. Yep, that's my quote. And it it actually fits this time because it's because that I mean that is a very that is a very suspenseful and pulse pounding theme song that Third Watch selected. Yeah. Yes, yes. And it is. It really, really fits. I mean, the title of that song, Keep Hope Alive, that fits. Exactly. That that fits. You know, I always wonder what it is that they're, what it is, what what is being played in that song that makes that bum, 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 uh, Electronic noise, music. Uh, electricity, I'll say. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's obviously a synthesized sound, but I wonder what it's a sample of. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. But anyway, what's up, everybody? My name's Darvell, and <laughs> you and I are nothing alike, you rat bastard son of a bitch. Wow, that hurts my feelings, but okay, I guess I just said last week I didn't like you, so, you know, it's sweet revenge. So, um, Yeah, greatest six in the world. We're back for another episode of Criminal Minds, um, but I feel we're going to get through this episode pretty quickly because 80% yeah. of this episode takes place in an interrogation room. Um, and again, that's not to take away from this episode in terms of Chris Elliott's performance. It's great. Uh, once again, robbed of getting a nomination for a guest Emmy, as all people are in this show. So, um, yeah, it's disappointing. But uh, I guess let's get yeah. let's get into it. We kind of have uh, Chris Elliott just sitting in this room, tapping his foot. We get like a bunch of weird flashbacks, kind of close up on his eyes, close up on his beard, um, and yeah, it's kind of it's very harrowing and haunting the way they kind of do this. We've got uh, Miller, Yokus, and Swirsky uh, outside having a conversation. Swirsky questioning if this is really the guy or if it's just some guy getting attention. And Miller obviously points out, like, no one knew the things that this guy um, knows. So, like, clearly this guy's got to be the the guy. Uh, he's got no record on file. Um, you know, potentially could be a wacko. But um, this is there's a bit of a weird continuity here thing because uh, Swirsky well, and Miller, is a wacko. Swirsky and Miller are basically to to Yokus like you would go in and interrogate him, and Yokus is like, I've never interrogated a prisoner before. Now, can we just back up to last season when a part of the reason why she got the promotion is how she handled the Henry Winkler Kate Jackson case when she spent all that time basically yeah. interrogating Kate Jackson, and I think she even said in that episode like I've never done this before. 
So she has interrogated a prisoner before. <laughs> so I don't know where she's saying this from. <laughs> I don't either. Although to be fair, probably no, probably no one this crazy. I mean, yeah. those two characters, Kate Jackson, Kate, Kate Jackson's character and Henry Winkler's character, yeah, they were crazy. Mm-hmm. But they weren't full-blown wackaloons like what this guy is. <laughs> full-blown wackaloons. Um, wacka. How do you spell wackaloons? Yes. Wow. Okay. Is that a new word of the day? Or <laughs> it's well, it's probably a combination of wacko and lunatic. But we just say wackaloon. Wackaloon. Is that something you use on a day-to-day basis? Or <laughs> no, not really. I just I, I just remembered. I just remember George Carlin randomly saying that in one of his comedy bits, and I just, I just thought of it, and I was like, okay, I'll just throw it out okay, there. Okay, cool. No, I like it. Full-blown wackaloon. I feel we use it, we use that more often on this show. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> possibly. Um, so, anyway, Yokus gets herself a coffee. She gets some, in, uh, some advice from Miller saying they smell fear, go in there confident. Um, she walks in there and I, again, Chris Elliott just shining in this episode when he's just basically like, no, no, I don't want you. Um, I want Miller and kind of, you know, he's just looking at his watch. Like you don't have time. Like, you know, let's not play games. And, uh, Yokus is, you know, can you prove you've got this girl? Um, and then we sort of find out that, um, you know, he's a, an LPN, uh, which is what a nurse's assistant or he, he works at a, Licensed practical nurse. Oh, okay. There you go. A licensed practical nurse. Thank you very much. Um, and then he kind of loses it and, you know, where is Miller? Um, and then sort of Yoko's... I, 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 as much as I give props to Chris Elliott, I do also give, you know, huge props to Molly Price, sort of the way she handles this situation, the, the level of fear that she has. And we've always said this with Molly Price, that she's a great actress, but she also really works well off other great actors. So, um, you know, yes. she really kind of does that well. This is where Chris Elliott mentions, you know, he wanted moved to come to New York and... Uh, not yet, he doesn't say that, but he's saying about how the NYPD have the world's greatest detectives. And we're going to find out later on that, uh, you know, he came to New York essentially because he wanted to test the world's greatest detectives. Um, he then sort of says to Yokus, have you ever read the fundamental criminal investigation knowledge book or whatever it is? Uh, and then, you know, he's sort of saying, like, you're meant to make me feel comfortable, you know, uh, saying this, saying that. Um, so, yeah, I really do like just the way he's kind of, like, toying with her. It's great. Um, you know, it makes me... Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It makes me wonder, you know, how long has this character been at it? Mm-hmm. Because it, it says that, you know, it was mentioned last week that there were, you know, four four bodies so far before the one in the before the one in the dumpster or the bin or whatever you want to call it, depending on what part of the world you're from. Um, but come on, this guy's been this guy has this guy has been at it longer than that. Mm. These are just the ones in 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 New York. Well, because this guy had to have been at it longer. Well, we find out, don't we? That what they said last week that they've had what six bodies, four bodies in six months or something like that. But yeah, like he's surely done this back wherever you know he's coming from. Um, so yeah, again, I I, I think because what did you say? He's a full blown wackaloon. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, he is a full-blown wackaloon. Yeah. Uh, and one thing I will say that I really like about how this episode is shot, we kind of get a lot of almost POV shots from Yokus's perspective looking at um, Chris Elliott, just the way kind of, you know, he's talking and everything along those lines. Um, but uh, I do sort of like the section here when, 
because obviously Chris Elliott knows that Miller's watching them, so you know he turns around and says, "Like, did you know that he still visits her grave, the first girl that I killed?" And then Miller comes in and chokes him, and um, you know he sort of turns around to Miller and says, "You know, you shouldn't feel ashamed. I visit her grave too." Um, and then to finally prove that he's telling the truth, he gives a bracelet to both Jokus and Miller um, to say that this belongs to the girl that I've kidnapped. Now, I've got to ask the question here, Darvell. Like, this guy, not officially under arrest, but are they not going to still search this guy? Like, what if he had a knife on him, like when Miller, like, choked him and, like, stabbed Miller? So they've allowed him to have this bracelet in his pocket this whole time? <laughs> yeah, that and... And I also have to wonder, you know, how long does he, how long does he, like, after he picks a victim, I mean, how long does he, how long does he stalk her? I mean, because he, I mean, because he knows, ev- he knows everything about this, about, about Tara. He knows her name, her, her, the, he, her, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. He, but he seems to know, he seems to know everything about her. Like, okay, how long does he. Does he watch them before he makes his move? Well, we know he's good. We know, it's... like, he obviously doesn't leave evidence behind and kind of they've never been able to catch him before. So, when I kind of think, like, the majority of what he does is purely a game. Like, he does this for his game aspect of it, doesn't it? I mean, he's literally just turned himself in to taunt the cops. So, um, he's obviously, yeah, going to be very, very good. So, um... You know, I'm surprised they haven't cast Chris Elliott in the actual Criminal Minds yet. Yeah, well, I mean, he kind of pops up every now and then, doesn't he? Like, I mean, I think this was the first time I've ever seen Chris Elliott in a dramatic role. Um, but, you know, as we kind of discovered, a lot of that doesn't stop people from, you know, being able to having the ability to act dramatically. Uh, you know, some of the, right. some, you know, some of the best dramatic actors started off in comedy. I mean, you look at Brian Cranston, you know, how good he is in Breaking Bad and where he's, his roots. Um, you know, Steve Carell started off comedy and, you know, Matthew McConaughey, not that he was ever funny, but like, you know, they started off in comedic roles and they go into this. I mean, Jim Carrey, I'm a huge advocate for Jim Carrey's dramatic acting ability and the fact that he was never nominated for an Oscar uh, for Truman Show is still an absolute travesty. But, um, yeah, anyway. But, um, so we're back from the credits uh, Miller getting worked up, going to send out his image, going to take a photo of him and send out an image to a bunch of, uh, I guess, places where they've got these uh, nurse assistants. Um, we get a weird, again, like little flashback thing. It's kind of, it's just very weird and creepy the way they keep kind of like zooming in on his eyes and you see these flashes of like a girl tied to the table and a chopped up, you know, body where they do research on and all this sort of stuff. And again, criminal minds. Like this just does not feel like it should fit in an episode of uh, Third Watch. Uh, Miller comes in, sh- takes his photo, reads him his rights, empties his pockets this time around, uh, um, and uh, basically Miller leaves and kind of Chris Elliott's like, what are you doing? And Miller's like, I have no time for games. Um, and, you know, he's sort of, Miller's questioning, tell me where the girl is. And Chris Elliott's like, look, you know, it's not done that way. So Miller just walks out and leaves him. So I, 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 as much as I love Chris Elliott in this episode and his games that he's playing, I do also love Miller, the way kind of Miller's just being like, yeah, fuck you, mate. I'm going off to do my police work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. Props to Miller as well. And, and Aiden Quinn, of course, for. Yeah. Aiden Quinn. Good job. For selling it. Uh, Finney and Davis in the car. This is obviously the aftermath of Finney shooting someone in the head. So Davis is, you know, talking to him, saying, like, you know, you have to see a counsellor. There's no point being traumatised. Finney obviously is like, hey, 
you know, I, I don't feel anything. And kind of Davis is like, hey, don't tell them that. <laughs> um, then Carlos getting checked out here. Um, and this is, this, I found my quote finally, what I was going to say. Um, but uh, this is when he obviously, you know, he's joking about, oh, you know, uh, I'm always sleepy. Uh, and then he says, like, I'm a pro. I always get hit in the head. And Dr. Fields is like, wait a minute, you always get hit in the head? Uh, no, no, I didn't mean that. Uh, so basically, <laughs> Carlos now has to sh- stay overnight. Uh, and then Holly shows up. And I do love how Carlos kind of like tries to hide from Holly. And, she- and Carlos is like, oh, no. And then like Holly basically is like, I'll be here all night. Like she's so worried for him. <laughs> um, where- where's Grace? Um, in all of this. Oh, wait, she's in the bathroom crying. That's right. Um, and there's more flashbacks in this episode because Grace is obviously having a bit of a flashback moment from what happened last week. Um, so, yeah, like, obviously, it's a bit traumatic, as we said. But, again, it's... Uh, part of the reason why, as well, I didn't want to do this is like, back-to-back episodes in one week is because I feel like two-parters feel more connected. Like, and whereas, like... To me, like we, the last we saw of Grace is she was kind of all thankful for Finney, and all of a sudden, boom, it's hit her that she was assaulted. Like I just feel like it just feels disjointed, if you know what I mean. Well, that ha- that happens. That happens sometimes. I mean, no, no two victims of something like that are the same. Mm, but I just, you know, they can yeah. seem they can seem okay, they can seem okay for a little bit, but it. And and it doesn't really hit them what happened until later. Yeah, but I mean, how much later is later? Because like this is only like probably an know. hour after Finney kind of went off at her, if you know what I mean. So I don't know. That's where I feel you, like as much as this is a to be continued, you can't really connect these because like in hindsight, you've had a week's break in between last week and this week, not only listening to this episode, but watching this the first time. So there's obviously that aspect of time that has passed in the real world that you can kind of forgive this but if you're watching this back to back and binging it and going on the continuity timeline then I just feel it feels disjointed if that makes sense okay I got you <laughs> yeah so um, yeah but I mean like I see your point too uh, I'm not disagreeing with your point as well um, but yeah I don't know it just it, it feels a little bit odd but yeah she's in the bathroom she's crying <clears throat> she's upset uh, we get back to the precinct, um, and uh, what is this? Uh, G- uh, Jelly and Miller are having a conversation. Uh, the parents of the girl who's missing get uh, brought in. Uh, how was she found? Uh, was this the the? Oh, because she's given them their name. Never mind. Uh, these, these are the, the the bad parents, right, from last week who uh, <laughs> allow their girl yeah. to talk to strangers. Yes, so they come in and see Miller, and of course, and of course, of course, it's not going to it's not going very well between them either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We kind of established that their marriage is on the rocks. Um, Yoke is questioning. Uh, I'm not even going to call him his character name. He's just Chris Elliott. Uh, I do kind of like the way he sort of like taunts Yokus, and he's like, "That's like your eighth <laughs> cup of coffee, you know. Uh, you've got to go to the bathroom." <laughs> um, I can hold it. Yeah, I can hold it. I do. You know, again, Molly Price sort of works off well here with that sort of stuff. The way she kind of comes back to him with that. Um, the the parents, yeah, as you're saying, are having a fight here. A mother should be home and all this sort of stuff. Doesn't this sound familiar? It just sounds like Yokus and Fred all over again. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so how is this when they, they have the question of how did they know she was missing before they called? It's because 
Um, how did they know they were missing? Is that answered? They said that. They said that a couple of. They said that a couple of police officers showed up mm-hmm. at their house. I think. I, well, I think they also said. I, was, I found that kind of bizarre too. Well, I think they also said that um, you know she's been missing for a few hours, so I knew something was up or something like that. Um, but this is where obviously they prove that you know they uh, Miller shows the necklace to them, and uh, you know they're all like, "Oh, that's a birthday present we got." Uh, got her, so you know they're obviously reacting to that. Uh, meanwhile, Finney is back at the hospital, even though he was leaving the hospital before. I don't understand this. Um, so they've gone back and forth, back and forth. Uh, he's getting checked out by the doctor. Uh, Swirsky's in the room as well. Uh, and CT Finney shows up. Uh, this is this is that breaking news that we had from the Wikipedia page of Finney's father barges in at the hospital. Um, he walks in, he's got his, uh, douche nozzle, uh, assistant with him and he's all like, oh, he deserves a medal of honor, you know, real proud, um, you know, of what you did, son. Uh, and this is when he meets Davis for the first time, you know, I knew your father. Uh, and then, uh, this is where Swirsky says something like, oh, he's got the makings of being a good cop. And then, uh, C.T. Finney's like, he's already a good cop. Like, he's already killed someone. Um, and then <laughs> basically the detective, God. the random detective... <laughs> lackey guy of ct finney then questions uh brendan so swirsky and davis have a bit of a talk and uh swirsky tells davis you know keep an eye on him because obviously uh you know ct finney just is one of these people who doesn't listen to anyone he just walks in and does what he wants i had a boss like that at the job earlier this year i quit it because she was a bitch so that's why you shouldn't work with people <laughs> like that um anyways. yeah and <laughs> sorry go the ahead. thing and one thing, and I'll I'll bring this up again when we get to about uh, episode twelve or thirteen, um, is that Finney? He is way. I'll just say this about him, CT. Anyway, I mean he's way too stuck in the in the uh, in the old ways, so to speak. You know, actually being proud that actually being proud that his that his son killed someone and that, that makes him, Oh yeah, he's a real cop. Now he killed somebody mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, don't, don't talk, don't talk to, don't talk to anybody about it. You're, you're fine. It's, it comes with, it comes with the, it comes with the job. You should expect to do this every day. Okay. He didn't say that, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just his overall attitude about it. Yeah. And, and of course, I mean, neither of us were around back, Back in like the seventies and stuff like that, neither of us were. But I do. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a time when, you know, any time a any any time a cop took a life, they didn't talk about it. They didn't talk about it at all with anyone. Yeah, and I think a, a good show uh, to ever kind of look at sort of the comparisons between the old days and the new days. Um, there's a British show Blue called... Blue Bloods. Uh, well, no, I was going to more talk about a British show called Life on Mars, which they did remake, I think, one season uh, in an American version. But basically, it's sort of got a bit of time travel aspect to it where a cop sort of from, you know, I think it was set in the mid to late 2000s, sort of gets transported back in time to the 70s and kind of, you know, has to deal with how things were back in the day, so to speak. So um, it's it's quite an interesting sort of way of doing it. Um, oh. So, uh, yeah, recommend okay. it. Good, good show, good show. Um, I'll check it out. 
So Chris Elliott. Is... I seriously thought you were gonna. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. All right. If you're sure, I seriously thought. I didn't mean to cut. I didn't mean to cut you off right when you mentioned that. But I seriously thought you were gonna say Blue Bloods because there is a lot of that in Blue Bloods too, especially um, not so much with Tom Selleck's character Frank, but with 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 the character of Henry Reagan played by Len, whatever his name is, you know, cause he's always going on about how, well, back in my day, we back in my day, this back in my day, that. Yeah. I think, no, I, I agree with you. I think there's definitely that aspect to it, but I think kind of just from an actual, rather than just hearing them say it, it's, you know, cause I mean, we're going to get a bit of, we get a bit of that with Sully, you know what I mean? And kind of Sully's experience and yeah. stuff like that too. So, um, Chris Elliott in, still getting yeah. interrogated and kind of this is the bit where Jokas thinks he's got she's got him because he starts crying and you know it's a sickness you know and then kind of you know he just claps and is like you know good job you did well there nicely done <laughs> um, and you know I, I just love the way he taunts her I think it's it's clever but uh, look I think kind of the cry is. is a little bit too fake though like I mean you can kind of see that um, and then obviously like you know, he kind of, like, turns around to her and sort of saying, like, you know, oh, does your husband know that you unbutton your shirt when you interrogate men? And he's kind of just, you know, even trying to taunt her a little bit more. And she eventually gets up to leave and kind of he taunts her even as she's leaving and, you know, make sure you go to the bathroom. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, Yoke is sort of saying to Miller, like, I can't do this. Um, and, yeah, this is when Miller said, like, hey, we're going to go check the girl's apartment, you know, see if there's anything there that we can find. Um, sort of through this, we get like a flash to, uh, you know, not, I, I guess we're trying to believe this is, uh, the girl's apartment or something, but it's the same place where the girl has been held. We've got the creepy Dexter plastic sheets. We see puppies in a little cage, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, this girl still on the table, just laying there in underwear with a piece of, uh, you know, duct tape over her mouth as well. The blood slowly draining out. Um, and then we've still got Yokus. Uh, questioning him, you know, are you really going to let this girl die? Um, and then kind of Yoka starts snapping at him, you know, what do I have to do to get you to tell where this girl is? Uh, then sort of Chris Elliott's like, you can go on TV and tell everyone that I'm smarter than you. And Yoka's is like, I can do that. And then Chris Elliott's just like, do you really think Detective Miller's going to let you do that? Uh, and then this is, you know, throughout all of these, I haven't really mentioned it, but obviously he keeps asking for the time. Uh, you know, he keeps saying like, oh, you know, tick, tick, you've only got seven hours left to go. Um, and then sort of Jokas gets out. They must have taken his watch. Uh, yes. They, I mean, they took everything off him before. So, yeah, they kind of did. Yeah. Uh, Jokas gets up and leaves and again sort of saying that he's, she's never wanted to hurt someone so bad. I do love the way when she leaves the room and kind of Chris Elliott's like, Detective Jokas, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I do like the way she kind of does that We also find out Swirsky is basically telling Jokas That a nursing home has identified him So um, that Jokas calls up Miller Tells Miller that uh, you know he's been identified um, So there's that uh, We've got uh, Brendan Finney leaving the hospital He uh, goes up to Carlos They sort of meet um, and this is where Carlos sort of tells Finney that Grace was abused. Um, and then sort of, this is when Finney all of a sudden is back to being concerned with Grace again. And this is when she's like, oh, it was a moment in the bathroom. Get over yourself. So like, again, it's just, I can't read what they're trying to do here because it's kind of like one minute, Grace is thanking Finney. Finney's stroppy with Grace. Grace then cries. And then Finney turns around and wants to be, uh, helping out Grace. And then Grace is stroppy with Finney. So it's like, okay, all that made sense. Didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, 
sometimes those these sort of things develop in weird ways. Yeah. Uh, Miller's questioning the nursing home lady. We find out his name and, you know, oh, no, he would never do that. And then kind of, obviously, <sighs> Miller, you know, eventually basically says like, yeah, kind of would. Um, so They all say that. Well, I mean, in all fairness, like I, I think I, you would. Like if all of a sudden you found out tomorrow that I was a serial killer, would you actually don't answer that. You probably think I would do that. Um, but like you always see this. Actually, in- <laughs> no, I don't think you would. But like, I mean, in all honestly, like do we... Like, we all have friends that maybe deep down we're like, yeah, that'd probably kill someone. But then, like, if we ever have a friend who's going to kill someone, like, it's always a person you would never suspect. So, you know, that's what makes these people interesting sometimes. Um, yep. So this is when we've got uh, uh, Chris Elliott um, talking to Yokus, uh, talking about, you know, like, how many kids do you have, all this sort of stuff, and... This is where um, she's about to call him Jeffrey, but he first of all says that he's from Iowa. Um, he saw the banner on a, a, I think Miller getting interviewed, saw the greatest detectives in the world, so that's why he came to New York to try and challenge them. Um, and then kind of, you know, he keeps taunting her and saying, like, she's going to die. There's nothing I can do to stop it. And this is when she calls him Jeffrey. Um, so, you know, yeah, he's obviously going, oh, you know, good, you're starting to learn a little bit of things here. Um so there's that. Finney's in the locker room. Um, Davis telling him to get counselling. Munro um, comes in as well. Um, and I've written here, Munro tells Davis about drink. What's that mean? Oh, they're wanting to get a drink together perhaps? Or? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't understand. My uh, notes there. Anyway, they're flirting. Cool. Good for them. Mildly flirting. Um, oh, this is, he said something about like Carlos getting hit in the head again. Um, you know, do you want to come over to my house? So that's kind of, you know, and then even Monroe joins in the joke, you know, like, oh, that seems to be happening a lot lately. Um, <laughs> they go to the uh, apartment of, uh, of Chris Elliott and, uh, they rock up with the SWAT team. They think they've finally found it. We think we've found it too. Cause it kind of looks like a dank sort of warehousey kind of place. And all we do is we see a bunch of, uh, we see a fridge, a freezer, and there's a bunch of containers with names of the victims on it, and then big paint writing on top of the lid that says, so close, yet so far. And this is when Miller storms into uh, the, oh, well, he doesn't storm in, Yokus comes in to uh, tell Chris Elliott, and he's all, you know, taunting them, take it didn't go so well. Um, and then Yokus, you know, we find out they've only got 45 minutes to save a life. And this is when Yokus decides to bring in, uh, Tara's parents, her mum at least. You know, she's begging him, you know, I'll give you anything you want. And he's all panicking, like, this isn't, you know, you're not meant to do this. Um, and then kind of Chris Elliott's basically like, no, I came here to be stopped. Okay, great acting from everyone involved here, uh, as well. Yeah. So I, I honestly thought that that, I honestly thought that that was a, a bit over the top, but. It still worked. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's over the top, and I probably would say, again, I'm not a cop, but I would probably say that's not allowed. Um, but, again, I, I'm sure this happens. It's a TV cr- show. They do it all the time. Does that happen in Criminal Minds, Darvell? Uh, no, because... Well, usually it doesn't, because I don't know of an episode of Criminal Minds where the where the suspect actually turned him or herself in and then challenged the the FBI profilers to 
find their victim before found find their victims before time ran out. Maybe Third Watch did it first and did it better, so that's where Criminal Minds came up with some other things. Um, I do like the sort of the back and forth. Well, not the back and forth, but like where Yoka's kind of. You know, she starts crying, Chris Elliott's crying and kind of, you know, just... I think the thing that I appreciate about this episode is that as a viewer, you feel almost as helpless as Jokas and Miller because every single time they get yes. a break, you know, they, they just seem to get further, further away. And the time limit thing adds like an extra element of intrigue. So, you know, 45 minutes to go, you're thinking like, oh, they're going to save her at the last minute and all this sort of stuff. So this is kind of what I mentioned, I think, about the twist in this episode about how they basically solve this. It's it's clever. So um, I appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate that about this episode. And we're getting to that too. Yeah. Uh, Munro and Davis are fucked. Good for them. Uh, we're actually at Munro's house, not Davis's house. Uh, Mun- Davis gets up to... Uh, go and uh, get something from the fridge. Monroe's got a lot of shit in her fridge. Can I just point that out? And then Davis drops something from the fridge. It falls to the ground. He picks it up. But as he picks it up, he finds something sticking out from under the fridge. It's the photo of the knife um, that uh, obviously they nearly got killed with at the beginning of this season that ultimately Cruz uh, sort of took when it came to Donald Mann. What could that possibly mean? So Davis comes in and uh, questions Monroe, like, what is this? Like, I don't think this is a something you'd want to keep, um, you know, as a souvenir. Um, and sort of, you know, Monroe sort of looks a little bit scared that she's been discovered, but uh, she kind of talks away out of it. So, um, you know, Davis has found a clue. Again, he's that pointless rat storyline, isn't it? Like, da da da. Monroe is on edge because she possibly could get found out. Um, so again, this again, this story would have worked if they didn't reveal that she was a rat so early. Exactly, exactly. I will say that. I will say that until I will say that until we get to that episode where it finally comes out. I will continue to say that. You do it. You say it. You uh, sound like a full blown <laughs> wackaloon, Darvel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So, yes, anyway, we're back to the interrogation. Miller walks in. Uh, we find out the time at 6.05. And, uh, ooh. yeah, ooh, she's dead. Um, and then kind of, you know, Miller, like, why? And kind of, you know, it wasn't anything personal. And Miller's like, she was just a baby. And then, you know, Chrisella's like, she had, I had to be stopped. I expected more from you. And then Miller, kind of great acting here from Aiden Quinn. You know, I was going to come in here and kill you and... You know, and basically it all comes down to Chris Elliott basically like, look, I'm sorry, though. If it helps, I'll tell you where she is so you can go get a body and notify the parents. And this is when Miller all of a sudden, he starts <laughs> laughing uh, and then, you know, saying, I'm nothing like you, son of a bitch. Uh, after I bring home alive, you know, I'm going to, you know, make sure you fry. He walks out, leaves. Oh, my God. Chris- I love. Chris Elliott then I kind love- of questions a guard outside the door and is like, Hey, what time is it? Oh, it's 4.30. Twitchy's like, no! Um, again, great <laughs> I twist. I love that part. Yeah, great. I love that part. Great twist. I mean, do you remember the first time you saw this? Because I, I had no clue this is what they were going to do. It's great. Yeah, I do, actually. And I didn't know that that was... I didn't know that was what they were going to do either. But when, But when that happened... I just remember I was just like, "Damn!" That that was just that was just how I reacted. I was like, "That was," and as smart as he is, as smart as he is, I mean, let's give let's give Chris Elliott's character credit here. He is brilliant. Yeah, and he is. How did he not catch on to that? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just it's just so like 
Oh, it's just, it's cleverly done because, and it just, again, like when you know this is happening and you watch it, you know, on a repeat viewing, it's kind of, it's, it's subtle, it's interesting, but you know, um, I kind of like when Yokus is going to say later on, like, you know, oh, I didn't know if I was, you know, making time go by too fast and everything along those lines. So, um, very clever, very, very clever. But you're right. Like, you know, you think for someone that smart, like he would cover that, but sometimes like these super smart people, like they just, you, there's glaringly, you know, like undefeatable people kind of have this tiny little weakness. Like I know probably my favorite villain in all of 24 is uh, Stephen Saunders in season three, who is basically just undefeatable throughout the whole thing. But then, you know, there's the weakness of his daughter that basically, you know, stops him from uh, going through with everything that he's trying to plan. So, yeah, um, great, great, yep. great work here. It kind of lives up to the greatest detectives in the world sort of uh, notion, doesn't it, that they're able to beat him. So, And then we get a montage. We haven't had a montage in two weeks, <laughs> but it's our fifth in six episodes. Great song too, Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day. Um, so, you know, they've, they've, it's kind of interesting how Third Watch with their montages often use kind of, I wouldn't say obscure songs, but kind of not exactly, you know, chart-busting songs, but... This season, obviously, we've had a few exceptions with uh, Nickelback and uh, now Green Day. So, um, But through this scene, uh, this montage, we see SWAT, Miller, and everyone rescue the girl. Uh, we get two random paramedics uh, showing up. Um, so, um, yeah. you know, we don't yeah, have... Yeah, I wish we could have had our... Carlos and Holly and Grace and all them well, do I guess it, but it's they don't work overnight. We don't need to hear them, so you know, I reckon they're probably real paramedics too. They're probably some of the advisors getting a cameo here and there. Um, yeah, and yeah, we obviously come back, and um, this is where uh, Yokus is kind of like, you know, I was afraid that I was going a little bit too fast, and Miller's like, "You did well, detective. You know, go home." Because let's be honest here, Yoke, poor Yokus has been at this uh, police station for about three days, four days straight now. Um, and we kind of get a good little moment where uh, they look up at the sign and it's got, yeah, this is where we see the sign that says greatest detectives in the world. Um, and yeah, basically we get our uh, season six average episode of a big twist at the end of the episode um, where, because Cruz has been completely non-existent all episode. Uh, she walks out and as she's leaving, she gets arrested for the murder of Donald Mann. End of episode. We do see, and I, I, the one thing I do like about this fact is though, like, the look on Cruz's face and just the look that she shares with Yokus, uh, and just kind of the Yokus and Cruz sort of shared glance, like it's good. Um, I'm just gonna say this now. I'm not a fan of this ending. I think that you should have this. I'm not either. Have this at the beginning of next week before the credits. Um, yep, because like, exactly. it is again, it is a case of season six having a pointless twist at the end of an episode to draw you back in next week because they're worried about losing viewers. And the reason why I think maybe this is the worst one of the lot that we've had so far is because Cruz has literally not been in this episode at all. And like, why all of a sudden is she going to appear at the end to be a part of the big twist? Like, it's just, it's odd. It's pointless. And I don't like it. <laughs> so Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah, like, and another, and yeah, you know, they could have drawn out the the montage of of them of them raiding the factory and finding the girl more, or may, better yet, I still say, don't make that a montage. Mm-hmm. Make that make that an actual scene. You know, of them rate of them raiding the warehouse and finding the girl and and fighting and fighting to fighting to keep her alive and then uh and then maybe have the scene between M- Miller and between Miller and Yokus 
I don't know, at, at the hospital or something. That's when he tells her, you did good, go home. And end the episode like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just don't need these cliffhangers every week. We don't need them. Um, and that's where I get frustrated with this season. And it just, after yeah. having a pretty solid episode, um, this is one of those moments that really takes this episode down a notch because it just, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Um, and there are sometimes yeah. you can overlook things like this and kind of it won't take away from the episode, but to me it does. Like, you just don't need it. So, yeah. Anyway, that's the end of The Greatest Detectives in the World. I'm just going to jump in and say that I'm renting it. Um, I think it, it drops down my ranks a bit more because of the ending. I do have this um, ranked at, if I can find it, uh, 103 out of 118. Again, to reiterate, for those who uh, might not be aware, I've ranked up to the eighth episode of this season. So, um, yeah, I've ranked it a few spots higher than last week. But, um, yeah, that's where I have it. What are you doing with this episode? Well, first I'll ask you, what do you reckon you would have done had it not been for that unnecessary uh, cliffhanger? Do you think it still would have been a rent? It still would have been a rent. It just would have been higher on my list. I don't, like... I, I just, again, similar to what I said last week, it just feels too much of an episode that's not a third watch. There's, you know, weirdness with the Grace and Finney stuff. And just, like, it's not to take away from the great acting from Chris Elliott, but, I mean, at the end of the day, this is an episode set in an interrogation room. Um, You know, there was an episode of Nip Tuck, which, I mean, again, it's even more out of left field for Nip Tuck because Nip Tuck's not a crime show, like, where there was basically a whole episode set in an interrogation room and it just didn't work. Uh, the difference is Third Watch is about, you know, crime solving and things like that, so you can argue that it works, and it does, but, you know, again, I would argue go back and watch a, any episode from season one or two and then watch this back-to-back, and you tell me if it's in the same show. So, yeah, that's why I've read this. Yeah, fair that. enough. Um, I am going to... I'm going to get... It's going to be a very, very, very low buy for me, actually, because... I mean, it's it's one it's just it's just one it's just one it's just one scene at the end that that I think takes away from it, and of course it it is that stupid cliffhanger. But otherwise, I lo- otherwise, yeah, this isn't the third watch we know, but I like the ep- but I I like the episode enough for what it is to give it a buy, mm-hmm. even though it's a very low buy. Now, had had that cliffhanger, if you can even call it that, because it's just so fucking pointless. Had it had it not had that not been there and you know had that montage actually like i said a few minutes ago been a scene of them actually raiding that warehouse finding that girl and fighting to keep her alive and then maybe the episode ends with yokus and miller at at angel of at angel of mercy cuz i mean let's be honest that's their go to hospital um then that episode would have been a very a very very solid buy for me mm. yeah no i understand that i understand that um but next week uh i actually um get get a bit of uh, enjoyment over the next couple of weeks i think because we're going to really start to get into uh some father storyline around davis so we've got some interesting stuff to come in the next few weeks kind of as we i guess wrap up this first half of this season uh, Leap of Faith is the episode. Um, we have uh, Fred and Yokus battling for kids. Crew's going to jail. Um, and, yeah, there's some interesting stuff with uh, Holly and Carlos in this episode too. And then a big reveal about Davis's father. But um, And also, also... Bosco wakes up. There you go. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I was going to say, you can't, you can't preview the next episode without mentioning that. i got to say... 
the ending of next week episode is brilliant and I get a bit teary at the end of next week's episode. Like just the song they use and kind of the, the scene with Bosco waking up and even a potential top five moment with the cruise Yokus, the finale sort of of next week's episode. So yeah, there's some good stuff next week. Mm-hmm. I think we've got a good stuff in the next couple of weeks as well. And I mean, even like, again, season six good is obviously going to be a lot lower than some other good from earlier seasons. But, uh, you know, I, I think that these are good episodes. So leap of faith. And it's our final ever episode with Fred. We will not see Fred after next week. Good, because he's a dick. <laughs> he wasn't always a dick, but he is at the moment. No. We'll eulogize Fred next week. He doesn't die, but um, we'll do that a little no. bit next week. Um, leave a face next week. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all the relevant channels, send us some feedback, and we appreciate you listening as we say every single week. My name is Ben, and it was 15 minutes in a bathroom, Darvell. Get over yourself. <laughs> oh, man. What's up, every? Well, I can't say what's up, everybody, because I say that at the top of the video. Not the video, the podcast. Gosh, I'm getting my words mixed up. Anyway, my name's Darvell, and... See you next week, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, like always. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.